Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So this week I'm going to be starting a series on prayer. And I want to talk about intimate, powerful, and mysterious prayer. This first one is going to be on intimate prayer that I'm going to talk about today. But the powerful prayer next week is those challenging statements that Jesus says, whatever you pray, if you believe, when you say it, you will have it or the Father will give it to you. Those things are challenging, but we're going to talk about those and then mysterious prayer is praying in the Spirit and what that looks like in a, in a real and practical way. So this week, intimate prayer, the goal of intimate prayer is to perceive God's presence and know His heart. You always have God's presence in you, and He gave you a new heart like His. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So keep in mind all of these things that we're talking about today. Look at a little bit of sanctification type ideas and a couple of other passages, but it's, all, it's in the context of prayer. Today is more focused on what does your prayer life look like when you're alone with the Lord and when you're praying to Him, when you're praying out loud, when you're just praying silently, when you're in the Word, what is it? What, what, what's the mindset? What's the heart posture? Who are you? What does God want? You know, where do you pray from? What do you pray for? How do you pray? Not necessarily going to tell you how to pray, but just kind of what's going on inwardly. The position that you're in with the Father and the presence of the living God as you pray is really what we're going to talk about today. You know, the picture that I kind of see in this intimate prayer description is remember how when Moses went in before the burning bush and the presence of God was on this bush and it didn't consume the bush, you know. It was, a, it was God manifested before Moses. And I, and I think about in that moment, this is, this is kind of the picture that I see for what we're going to focus on this week in our prayer life, is I see this picture of that holy presence that he had to take off his shoes to be in that presence, recognizing who God is, God declaring who he is, God declaring his will, ultimately, that he wanted a people, he wanted his people, his chosen elect people rescued from bondage so he could dwell among them, so he could make them into a nation of priests to be a blessing to the earth. That was what God's plan was. God wanted to dwell among his people and manifest himself within that community and show them how to bless the entire earth as the fulfillment of the promise all the way back to Abraham that his children, his descendants would be a nation that would be a blessing to the entire earth. That's what God wanted. There's some details that are interesting in that and how the children of Israel responded, that it kind of changed the type of relationship that they put themselves in with Him, and God had to acquiesce. But I'm not going to go into that today. I'll just pique your interest a little bit. But here, So here's the picture. Man, that was a lot to get back to this picture. Here, here's the picture that I see. And if you can't imagine, if you can imagine this, right? Moses is before that bush, and it is the presence of God that you can't touch, you can't interact with, otherwise you die. 
But yet that presence moves into Moses. Now, it didn't in that moment because Moses wasn't born again. But if you can think about it in that way, that presence, that, re that holiness, that holy presence of God moved inwardly. You know, I love that. It's actually a cartoon movie, but they did a really good job. I think it's called The Prince of Egypt. And there's that scene where he goes in and the fire and the air and it's like, it's just still, you know, that still presence. And you're honoring and you're respecting him. And I just see that presence having moved inside of us. That's the picture. And so when we pray, we're honoring that holy presence within us. If there's feeling and emotion associated with that, it's okay, right? To know the Lord is eternal life. And that word know is the word gnosko. And it actually, part of the definition is feel. It's to have a knowledge of, to understand, to perceive, and to feel. Now, you're not, you don't live by those feelings, but you want those feelings to match the truth. You want your inward emotional state to match the truth. And what does it feel like to have God in you? I, I, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. So we're going to look at a couple of details of the difference between Old Covenant presence and New Covenant presence and who we are, and then ultimately look at what prayer looks like for us communing with that inward holy presence of God. Sound good? In that place, God's Spirit is in you revealing his heart to you. You know, it says of David that David was a man after God's own heart because he would do everything that God asked him to do. You know, there's just that willing heart. It wasn't that David lived purely. We obviously know that he didn't. I mean, you know, don't have to go through his credentials, but we know that he was not. <laughs> he messed up, right? But he was a man after God's own heart because he was willing to follow God. He wanted to know what God knew. He wanted to have in his inward life shaped to mirror who God is, the character and the attributes and the holiness of God. That's what David wanted his inner world to be. And because of that, he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to reflect God. He wanted to live. He wanted to follow God. His willingness is what made his heart a man after God's own heart. So if you can think about this, back then under the law, it just didn't, you, it, it was different back then. It was different where the presence of God interacted. You know, those guys had to look outwardly and look for the presence of God and follow that presence. And to know what that presence wanted, they read rules written in stone and then ultimately 613 rules and laws. You know, it's like people say, well, you can't throw out the law. Well, we're not throwing out the law, but we're just understanding that you, you are not in the kind of relationship where God is holding those against you as your way to approach Him, as your context of rightness before Him. You don't throw them out at all. You just live from a place of knowing who you are in Him. All right, so let's keep going. You know, it's, it's interesting. So... I've got a couple of ideas. I want to weave them together, but I want to look at the old a little bit. Back then, under the old, you had the first time that God really came to the children of Israel after the Passover, after the miracles of the deliverance from Egypt, and they're out there, and God tells Moses, 
I'm going to come and I'm going to speak to you guys. I'm going to outline the context of our relationship. Basically, I would just want you to follow me. When I move, you move. Do what I say. Don't live from your own knowledge and your own judgment. Just follow me. It would be nice if we could just do that, but you know, I don't. I think if I were God, I would not have made us so smart, right? I would have made us dumber, so we wouldn't have our own thoughts and we'd just follow him. But you know, good thing I'm not God, so he's he knows what he's doing. Under the old covenant, you had to sanctify yourself. Now, what they, you know, it's so funny. We're so sin conscious. We're so focused on sin. And sometimes when you hear a heavy new covenant message, a heavy grace message, people will hear, well, it sounds like you're saying sin is okay or it's minimized or it's like, what? No, no we're talking about actually living holy. We're, we're talking about actually living under the power and the influence of grace, which teaches you to live holy. You had no chance of living holy under the old with the presence of God out there constantly holding your sin against you. Now He's removed it from you, changed the kind of creature that you are, put His code within you for you to follow Him naturally. Under the old, so here's the picture. God comes to Moses and says, all right, get them ready. Tell them to go sanctify themselves. And this is what they do. They need to wash their bodies wash their clothes, and don't have sex for two days. That was how they sanctified themselves. Now, if you want to look at how the priest had to, what they had to go through to be sanctified, look at Exodus 29, and that's going to be homework number one. Go read Exodus 29 and realize what those guys had to go through to be uh, actually sanctified. <clears throat> so sanctified in order to be qualified to be in the presence of God to do what God wanted them to do. They had to go through these things. It's like, get you a couple of goats and bulls and cut them and make sure that you, you know, the feces of the bull, you burn that outside, but the meat of the bull, you burn that on the inside and you sprinkle this, that, and you wear the crown and you wear the this and the breast piece. And, this, and then you go here and you stand at the tent and you open the doors and you cut it and you sprinkle the blood on the, and it's like, what do you, it's incredible. You know, the blood of goats and bulls was their sanctification. The ritual and the process and the external steps was their sanctification. It actually had nothing to do with remain sinless for 12 years and then you'll be sanctified. Or get better and better and better and better and better at not sinning as a sign of your progressive sanctification. Then you can cut the head off bulls in my temple for me. You know, it's like we attach so much sinlessness to holiness. When holiness is something that is taken and set apart for the master's use. Yes, if God touches it, it's either going to die or it's going to be cleansed. And that's what happened with us. He cleansed us. Even a cup, a table, those things were holy. Those things were sanctified. Why? Because they went through the proper cleansing. Then they were set apart for the master's use, for the use of godly work. That made them holy. Am I confusing you yet? There's a lot about it. I'm, I'm going to bring it all in together, but I wanted to talk about a couple of I'm talking about prayer. We're talking about sanctification, meaning you have to be in the right state to interact with the presence of God. And then we're going to wind down to the presence is in you. All right, so under the old, you had to sanctify yourself. 
And this is what it, this is what it looked like. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate. Now the word consecrate is translated. It's actually the word kadash, and then there's variations, kodesh, uh, but it's the same Greek word for consecrate, sanctify, or make holy. Same word, kadash, or a variation of that. Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Now just think about that just for a minute. Moses is telling them, you guys in three days are going to see God. Now what if we had that on our calendar? <laughs> this Wednesday night, you're going to see God. I mean, just think about that for a minute, right? That's incredible. They were actually going to lay eyes on some manifestation of God. I just kind of wanted, I just wanted to let that sit for just a minute. Incredible, right? Can you imagine the anticipation? You know? They'd just seen all this incredible stuff that he'd done in Israel. And that some of them were probably pretty worried. Some of them were probably pretty excited. But what they had to do was cleanse themselves properly to be able to see him. And that's where we're going. So the word sanctify was the word kadash. Again, holy is kodesh. Uh, and it means to consecrate, sanctify, prepare, dedicate. You know, you hear a lot of rededication type messages in certain denominational uh, groups. You know, there's a lot of get saved again, or at least if you just want to rededicate yourself, it's like, I, I get that. And I think that, that can actually be a valuable exercise and step to rededicate yourself. But it should be contextualized in terms of remember that God is in you. Remember that God is with you. Don't think, oh, I have messed up, I've backslid, now I've got to go get saved again, which is what rededication is in a lot of places. To rededicate would be to remember, no, I'm saved. God has delivered me from the power of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of His dear Son. I forgot that for a while. I've been playing around with darkness. I've been messing around with this sin. I've been living in fear. I'm going to rededicate myself. I'm going to remember. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. I'm going to guard my mind knowing that I'm saved, knowing that I've been rescued, knowing that I'm not on my way to hell, knowing that God's not holding my sin against me, all of that stuff. I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to guard my heart with the fact that I am right with God because of what Jesus has done. That's what rededication is. And I think that sometimes we do. We forget. We do kind of backslide. It's fine to use that term. But a rede and I think that's kind of what you were talking about, really. I think you were just kind of feeling the same type of air. And maybe some of you can even testify to this. The Lord, some of, we all, we use different words and concepts for it. You know, maybe revival is the word that you use. Maybe you feel like, I need a personal revival. Or you feel kind of excited about an idea or something. But the idea would be this. Remember, God is in you. Remember, God is not looking for a reason to separate Himself from you. Remember that you can turn the eyes of your heart toward Him, engage in His Spirit, be strengthened by His grace and live, you know. You've got challenges, and Lord knows we've had some challenges. I mean, I just did a funeral last weekend for a 16-year-old 
<clears throat> a 16-year-old kid that took his own life. I mean, can you imagine that that family, what they're going through right now? You know, the questions, the anguish, the pain. Man, I, I, can't, I, I can't even imagine. I really can't even imagine. But, but, it's, but it's an opportunity to either be hardened by life's circumstances and people's bad choices or to take that personal responsibility of freedom that you have in Christ and, and turn your heart toward Him, to keep your inner man soft toward Him, to keep your inner man in reverent awe and worship toward Him, to guard yourself against the, the, the pressure of the world, to guard your heart against yielding to that sin that distracts you and keeps you and, and causes that carnal thinking and produces death in your life. Intimate prayer should bring us back to that place where we remember, no, this, this is who I am. This is who God is. Yes, this is what God expects of me. Yes, this is where I've missed it, but the focus is not on that. The focus is on, I can live from this, I can live from this place of deep interconnection with the Spirit of the living God that will lead me and guide me. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about you coming out of your time in prayer with the Lord, refreshed, at peace, not worried. You know, worry drives so much of our prayer. I mean, I'm talking about going into a time with the Lord where it's more worship and reverent connection with Him because He's inward. Again, this week, intimate prayer. Next week, powerful prayer, almost more external and then mysterious prayer. But this week, daily, I just want us to make a practice of just take that time, you know. And, and, and yes, of course, you are going to think of the things that you did wrong as you think about the Spirit of the living God within you. That's going to happen. Acknowledge them, confess them, and send them away. Don't let your inner man, your inner world be, effect, uh, be uh, don't let it set the temperature of your inner man, your, your failures. Let the presence of God be that thermostat that brings you back to that place of, well, God knows what He's doing. He knew that I would mess up still. There's no excuse for it. There's no open door for it. But as I yield to Him inwardly, I just don't want that stuff anymore. You know, the more you know who you are in Him, the more you will live in a way that honors the work that He's done within you. Amen? All right, so under the old, consecrate yourself. Sanctify yourself. <clears throat> so old covenant versus new covenant sanctification. So remember, old covenant, go cleanse yourself. And depending on your position in the temple system, whether you be just a person that brings your sacrifices or the priest themselves, and we are kings and priests in His, so we would have had to go through the most rigorous of sanctification process, right? So just go ahead and attach that to yourself. I'm telling you, go read Exodus 29, and, and afterward, just be thankful. <laughs> New Covenant sanctification. Uh, so this is Hebrews 8, uh, 10, 8. When he set up... Now, he, I love Hebrews. It's like one of my favorite books because what it does is it goes through and it shows us the New Covenant, the priesthood of Christ in our lives, our place within Him, the, the, just the majesty of this new covenant based on better promises that He's given to us. 
the, the couching it in the finished work of Jesus. I mean, he starts off by saying, God used to talk to us through dreams and visions and prophets and all this stuff, but now Jesus. Everything now points back to Jesus. You know, it makes me think about, you know, when Jesus resurrected and he's walking on the road with two of his disciples and he explains all of the prophet, the law and the prophets to them and he talks to them about how everything pointed to the Messiah. I mean, that would have been a pretty cool conversation to be a part of, right? Like, I'd like to hear that sermon. So it kind of brings us to this idea of what living in the priesthood of Jesus looks like. Now, right after this, certainly there's a warning, don't continue in sin, God forbid. But here we talk about this idea. When he said above, you have neither desired, he's talking to the Lord, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. God didn't really desire that stuff. That was all temporary stuff. Symbology of, of Jesus, right? <clears throat> Is symbology a word? Maybe that's the study of symbols, symbology. <laughs> so these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first. He does away with the first. I mean, that gets you in trouble in some places. Does away? You didn't do away with it. Well, he did. It's obsolete. It does no longer apply. That kind of sounds like me. Anyway, we'll let that sit. Behold, I have come to do your... He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been, say have been, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, that is your sanctification. That is your ritualistic cleansing to be a prepared vessel to interact with the Spirit of the living God who just so happens to live in you under this new covenant, not externally. You have an internal guidance system within you that is better than a flame at night and a cloud by day because it intermingles itself with your own thoughts and your own heart. That's why it's so challenging to be confident that we hear God because it's intermingled with our own thoughts. His voice, His leading is intermingled within our own thoughts. And so we don't trust our own thoughts. In fact, we're taught your heart's wicked and evil. You can't trust yourself. Well, it was under the old, but you got a new heart now that knows God's voice. It knows how to follow God. It is encoded with God's wisdom. You naturally can follow God now. Your thoughts can actually be in alignment with God's thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean that you just can say, well, every thought that I have is godly. Well, obviously, that's not true. There is that, and, and I get that that's where people attach the words progressive sanctification or positional sanctification or final sanctification. It's like, why has there got to be three? Three is like one. Like he did it, and then the effects of it are still affecting you, right? In fact, that's how the Greek talks about it. The Greek, there's all these different tenses in Greek, and when it talks about sanctification, it's an event that happened that has ongoing effects. Like the Greek has different kinds of tenses. It happened, and then it happened in the past, and it stopped. 
or it didn't necessarily stop, but it just happened. It was an event back then. Or it happened almost like as if a trumpet's blown and the sound continues and the sound continues to be heard and effective. That is how our sanctification is. Now, it may produce continual and ongoing fruit, and I pray that it does, but you don't get more sanctified. You are sanctified, and then you live within that. To the degree that you honor and respect, you live worthy of that work that's done within you. Not to qualify, but because it's something that was initiated in you and you live from the power of it. Amen? But that, that's why, you know, we get all these classes and these things and these different ideas of I heard the voice of God, and this is how you hear, and this is how you hear, and this is how you hear. Well, I will tell you this. Hearing the voice of God is as easy as listening to your own thoughts. However, your heart and your, your, the eyes of your heart and the confidence of your heart toward the Lord, rooted in His Word, yielded to that submissive, transformative process, renewing your mind of who you are in Him, you know, all of that abiding within Him, not to become more sanctified, but to be confident to live within it. That's what we're talking about this prayer. Intimate prayer is not a time where you're going to God. And, and intimate is just the word I'm associating with it. You put however, whatever words you want, but just that reverent prayer where you're taking time with the Lord and you're not giving Him your list of failures and you're not giving Him your grocery list of things that you want. He already knows what you need. He wants to meet your needs exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. You can just go ahead and assume that. I mean, he, it's like, he already knows, but ask. So there is an asking, but it's an asking from an acknowledgement that you already are all these things within me. And to the degree that I just connect with you inwardly, to the degree that there is an, it's just being, it's that being still and knowing God. And, and, and Jesus tells us the parable of the sower that as you engage in that process, as you cultivate the word within you, you want to know how it works? He says, you want to know how it works? Here's how it works. It's like a farmer that casts seed, goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how it happens, but it produces after its own kind. The spirit of the living God will produce after its own kind if you cultivate it inwardly. Abiding within Him. Yes, knowing His Word. Yes, knowing His presence. You, so because you are sanctified in Christ, say, I am sanctified in Christ. You can perceive God's Spirit. Now, that's the word see. Remember how He told the Israelites, go sanctify yourselves because you're getting ready to see God. I see intimate, that intimate time of prayer and really reverent worship alone with the Lord. You, 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 you want to get to a place where you can perceive God. You walk away realizing, I, I know what God thinks here. Like his mind, I have His mind. His Spirit is searching my heart right now. Yes, there's transformation. Yes, there's growth. Yes, there's pruning in that process too. But it's like one of your goals of walking out of an intimate time of prayer with the Lord is that you have His mind on whatever that matter is. For you, that might mean you just have confidence 
that He's with you. Or it might mean you come out with a scripture and you're standing on that scripture that directly relates to your situation. It might just mean you just, you just feel better and you make more, more godly decisions when you feel better. Right? There, there is no law of what it's supposed to look like when you come out of prayer other than you should come out with hope, expectation. When I go to pray, I don't want to come out feeling the same way I felt before about the thing I was praying about. I want to think it can change based in what Jesus paid for. <clears throat> you see God's Spirit with the eyes of your heart. And we went through that whole, I've got a whole series on uh, the eyes of your heart being enlightened that you may know His will, right? That's what you want. You want to come out knowing His will. Start with general, and then if you need detail, go from there. And that's where the difficult part comes in because at, at some point, you're going to have to trust that that thought that you have is a God-inspired thought that you're going to act on. I can't tell you how to get there. All I know is that God is in you. Jesus said He would lead you and guide you into all truth. He would show you things to come. And as you abide in Him and allow His Word to abide in you, He leads you, right? You come to that place of confidence where that Word grows and you put in that sickle and you bear, you know, you partake of the fruit. Like, like, like that's the difficulty of preaching. <laughs> you can paint the picture, but you have to appreciate it. You know, we can set the table, but you engage with that Spirit. And religion has done a disservice to the body of Christ because we've made it about externals. We've left ourselves you know, uh, 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 in, in effect under the old covenant where it was all about behavior and externals and cleansings, right? And Jesus brought it internally. He said, look, you've heard it said that uh, adultery is sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse. I say it's inward. It's where you are in your heart. If you looked even with lust, guilty. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about that inner responsibility and that place being shaped by the presence of God. I love this. This is a man after God's own heart. Created me a clean heart. Now, it's different for him what he means by clean heart because we now have that new covenant promised new heart. We have his spirit within us. But I love the idea of this, and I love the process that happens here because us, we can acknowledge that God is in us, and we can clean our hearts also, so to speak. We can clear our hearts. We can uncloud our thinking. We can go inwardly with the Lord because that's where He is. His kingdom is in there. Connect with Him and come out refreshed. Come out confident, right? Look at, the, look at this process creating me a clean heart. And for you, you can be thankful that you've been given a new heart, right? And what that means is inside is a holy place where God lives within you. Where God is, is holy and He's in you. <clears throat> so creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I think that's a legal new covenant prayer. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. You can be thankful that He will not. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, 
under new, you acknowledge, I praise God that your spirit is with me. Why, why did he put so much emphasis on sp his spirit not leaving? Because that's where the wisdom came from. That's where the guidance came from. That's what he wanted. He knew that following God is better than following himself. And this is, where, this is what I think that you were talking about. And this is what I referenced here. Uh, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain, with, sustain me with a willing spirit. Restore... Come on. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I mean, when was the last time? It may have been this morning. You know, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I'm just thinking, when was the last time you thought about salvation? Whew! You know, and it you just it was like, wow, thank you. Joyful in this. I am, you know, if I don't ever learn another thing, I have joy because I am with God eternally. You know, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. And that's why he was a man after God's own heart because he would do whatever God asked him to do. That's what prayer, we should go into prayer. Whatever, the, whatever, Lord, whatever. Whatever you want, I'll do that. Now we say that, but we go into prayer and then we come out with the exact same strategies toward life that we did when we went into it. Mostly because we, don't, we aren't confident that we can pray, hear from God, and enact whatever His leading would be. But you can. You hear God better than you think that you do. You just may not be rooted in the Word enough to take that out from a scriptural perspective and put it into practice. Or you may not have the confidence that you can hear and follow Him. You may have some weird charismatic-y type teaching or, or you got so much sin in there that you're, you're so distracted and clouded by that or you're carnal in your thinking. In other words, you're thinking A plus B equals C rather than God can do anything, right? There's so many variables to this, and I'm not trying to weight it down to that. I want to leave it in the realm of you can go into a time with the Lord, honoring His presence within you, and come out following His leading into life and truth. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain with me a, a willing spirit. I love that. The new creation heart is the new holy of holies on the earth. Think about that. Where did they meet with God? Where did the presence of God dwell that they met with? In the holy of holies. In the temple. The Ark of the Covenant. Where is the presence of God? Where do you meet with the presence of God now? Inwardly. All right? It's the promise of salvation. He gives you the down payment of His Spirit. His Spirit is in you. His Spirit is giving life to your physical body. I mean, we hear that, but I don't know that we really understand the gravity of what that means. That the presence of God is in you. It's a big deal. That's what I want to spend some time on daily this week. I want you to spend some time on making a big deal out of the presence of the living God within you. Because where we're going in the next couple of sessions of prayer, talking about that, 
you know, you go from that inner place to the outward type prayer. <clears throat> so Hebrews 10, 19, just a little further down from where we read before, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, before they approached the presence of God with a guilty sin conscience. That was what they were supposed to do. Offering in hand, guilty before God, recognizing that that offering should have been them, and because of that offering, they are temporarily atoned for in their sin. Now, Jesus is our once and all-time sacrifice for sin. Because of what He did, we approach the Spirit of the living God with confidence in full assurance of faith. Now watch this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean. Well, but I thought I had an evil heart. A heart's wicked and deceitful above all things. Well, it was, but now it's sprinkled clean. That place inwardly where God meets with you is clear. It's that holy place where you take those shoes off and you recognize and honor the presence of the living God within you. He's, clean, he's cleansed it inwardly so He can dwell and communing, commune with you. From an evil conscience, not evil deeds, not evil sin, evil conscience. He's already removed your sin. So now what's happening is He's cleansing your conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, why is it important to be cleansed from an evil conscience? What does that, what does that make you think of? That your inner man, your inward parts, your heart is sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Sin consciousness. What else? Evil. Think evil. Evil. Huh? Bad thoughts. In my mind, where it takes me to, all of that, it takes me to this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> Which is what caused the whole problem, right? Us going and partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So having that inner awareness, that, that capacity to think carnally, not evil in terms of bad, but evil in terms of contrary to God, against God. Conscience means with knowledge, dual knowledge. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what's happening, the picture that you get, so all of that should come down. I'm kind of changing the subject a little bit, but I wanted to set up this idea with the sanctification issue. What's happening now is when you go into that intimate time of prayer with the Lord, what should happen is your conscience is cleared and cleansed and clean so that you don't have that carnality. You don't have the fruit of the knowledge of evil within you. You're not judging good from bad for yourself, and you're not judging what the enemy initially caused them to question to partake of that tree, and it's really one question. So all of that to say, when you come into that intimate prayer, you're not in that space listening to the question, did God really say? 
Did God really say that He would be your provider? Did God really say that by His stripes you are healed? Did God really say that if you raised your children following Him that they would be led and taught by the Lord all their days? Did God really say that you and your household? Did He really, you know, whatever it is, right? That's, that's what you want to do. You want to go into that intimate time of prayer with the Lord and have that doubt cleansed out of your mind. Now, you may not have the answer. You might not have the solution, but you've at least cleansed the doubt away where you put yourself back in that place where with God, all things are possible. With God, this too shall pass. With God, I can have peace in the midst of this storm, whatever it might be for you. Now, it's really kind of basic and elementary, and there's a big setup and build up to it. The bottom line is you can go to God, get your mind right, repent, change all that stuff, clear all that stuff out of inwardly, and come out changed, come out hopeful again. That's, that's the basic picture. But there's a lot of legality into the fact that that is, you can expect that. That that, in fact, is what the Spirit of the living God is doing. Jesus is that faithful and eternal high priest forever inter, ever interceding on your behalf. And there's this process going on within you where His Spirit is searching your heart and cleansing your mind from an evil conscience, from that awareness of the knowledge of good and evil where you're questioning God. An evil conscience is when you question what God said. A clear conscience is when you're confident in what God said. And what He said is now defined by what Jesus accomplished. Amen? That's what we want to do. We want to go into this place where we come out aware of what He said, confident in what He said, expecting what He said can be ours. In fact, is ours, but will manifest. Amen? But that's what we do in prayer. We go in and we whine. It's like, where did God? Why? It's, prayer's a time to renew your mind to what God said. Pretty simple. Because you are sanctified in Christ, you can be assured God is with you. Now, that goes, that's why I went through all of that old covenant sanctification stuff and made a big deal about the presence of God. We just, we just skim over that stuff. The Spirit of God is with you. Because you have God's presence, you can pray with confidence. So the confident thing we're going to talk about next week a little bit more. So I've got some discipleship steps for you, and I want you to make this a daily practice this week. So think about what you've gotten out of it so far, but now shift your, shift your thinking toward this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to put into practice. <clears throat> Be still and know God daily. Now, and thinking about all of that stuff we discussed about the presence of God, right? You can know God. In fact, eternal life is to know God, to experience God, to have the knowledge of God, to understand, to perceive, and to feel God. All of that in alignment with His Word and His truth. Now, these are the two things, these are the two objectives. Pray until you're aware of His presence. Now, I'm not saying pray His presence in, because His presence is already in, 
Well, God really showed up today. Well, where did He go? <laughs> You're the one who went somewhere. God didn't go anywhere. The only thing that changes about the presence of God for the new covenant believer is your awareness of Him. Pray until you're aware of His presence. Pray until in your situation, He's bigger than that situation. And, until there's a, a, an awe of, well, I know that this is who you are. And yes, I see this, but you, but God. And in that moment is when that growth happens. It's when that manifestation, when that seed will bear fruit. It's the mystery aspect of the kingdom of God, the Word of God growing into your life, whether it changes you or the situation. It's that moment. It's that, it's that moment of engaging Him. And, oh, you know what I mean? So pray, pray until you're aware of His presence and pray until your heart is one with God's heart. In other words, you think about it how He thinks about it. Now, you got another word to know how he thinks about certain things, so get in there. But pray until you're of single. And so the picture that I saw is this: pray until your mind and God's mind are both oil, rather than water and oil that can't mix. Pray until you feel like you're in agreement with God. Pray, and 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 when I say pray, I mean sit and be still and acknowledge Him and who He is and the finished work of Christ and all of that stuff that He's done in you and through you. Pray until you come into understanding God is with me. He's not against me. God is for me in this. God is my answer in this situation. No, no matter what, I don't feel that resistance. I don't feel that distance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because we go to God with certain situations and there's a barrier there. We feel like... But, but the picture is that God is with you, beside you, standing side to side with His arm around you, and He's looking at life with you. He's not standing on the other side of your problem, hoping that you'll say the magic incantation to Him to cause Him to walk across your problem to you. He's with you, and you're looking at it together. Pray until you're aware of His presence. In other words, you know that He's with you. And pray until your mind is in alignment with how He sees that situation. And trust that in that, the explanation that Jesus gives about how His kingdom works in that life, it just bears fruit. It bears fruit after its own kind. It's almost like you're aligning everything just right so that the light can get in and bring life to that situation. You're just aligning yourself with God's Spirit and life because when His Spirit touches something, growth happens. Whether that be an inner pruning or an outward manifestation or whatever it needs to be, you just trust that He knows. You're not partaking of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, judging what needs to happen. You're just confident that what He said is what He says, what He paid for in Christ. This is who I am. All I know is that, and I'm going to rest in that. Amen? Be still and know Him. So, Whatever works for you, whatever time works for you, and, and even if you would, just for a minute, just take a minute to see yourself where you like to pray. You know, maybe you're in your house or sitting outside or whatever. You got your water with you. You got your Bible with you. You got your favorite music. Well, I don't know, whatever it looks like. Just go ahead and make the commitment that this week I'm going to take the time to have that time of prayer with the Lord where I become aware of His presence where I get my heart in alignment with Him, 
and I am willing to do whatever He says. I am willing to do whatever His Word is illuminated to me in that moment. And just see yourself willing. And just stand up with me if you would. In light of that idea of rededication and in light of what holiness is, in light of what sanctification is, just see yourself. Acknowledge that you are saved. Acknowledge that God has paid the price to make a way for you to enter His kingdom, to make a way for you to be in His family. And in this moment, just make that decision that you are dedicating your life to Him. I don't have to get saved again. I don't have to repent to get all my sins forgiven again. I live in a place of forgiveness before you, Lord. Yes, if anything rises up within me, I will confess that and get it out. But I am dedicating my life to you. I want to live a life that brings glory to your name. I want to live a life that honors the work that you've done through Christ. I want to live a life that doesn't dishonor or disrupt that holy place that you've created within me. I'm dedicating myself to you, whatever that looks like. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have thoughts. You're going to have thoughts of guilt. You're going to have thoughts of your debt. You're going to have thoughts of your job. How, when, where, why. All, are you hearing me? Are you having those thoughts? Because I know that's what happens. The how, the when, what, well, what about the, well, what, forget about the what about. All you're doing is reverencing Him. You're being still and knowing Him. Because He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Whatever the whatever is that starts to rise up when you start to do that, trust that as you engage with Him, all, you, you get the answers, you get the solutions, you get the knowledge, you get the wisdom. Amen? Father, we acknowledge You. We trust You. We love You. I acknowledge that Your presence is within me. I've said yes to Jesus. I acknowledge that Your presence is within me. I love You. I thank You for loving me. Father, I, will live. I am willing to follow you. Just tell him that. I'm willing to follow you. In whatever it may be, I'm willing to follow you. I trust you. I trust you. And I want to live a life that brings glory to your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.